Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Pervoy Morich on today's news talk radio, TNT. Coming to you live from Acapulco, Mexico. Uh, you know where the Category 5 hurricane hit some months ago, attending Jeff Berwick's Anarchapulco. Pretty wild time hanging out at Max Egan's bar, which is literally, I, I'm looking at it right now. It's right across the street from me. Um, and yeah, there, you know, there's been a lot of damage around the city, but people are slowly picking up the pieces. One taxi driver told me that um, I asked him, how, what was the government's response? Have they helped? And he said, that they've they've helped a lot and in fact literally one block down from me there's a government office that's got a mexican national guard 24 hours there and every day um they hand out i don't know what it is money food um goods to to um the mexican people uh in in need so that's that's some Good news. Uh, what's going on in the world? The further Mad Maxil Mad Maxilization uh, of the world in the U.S. Uh, it's being reported that the car thefts and the carjackings are up. Unreliable data make it hard to pinpoint why. Uh, they say motor vehicle thefts increased by 29% in 2023 compared with the previous year, while carjackings slightly decreased by 5% in nearly 40 American cities. The five Cities with the highest increases uh, were Rochester, New York, Baltimore, Buffalo, uh, New York, um, Charlotte, North Carolina, Cincinnati. Um, so I think that's just a further example of the, the, the collapse of the system, this erasure of the middle class, the collapse of law and order, and just further, you know, neo-feudalism. While the elite, you know, they're living in their gated communities in their little city states they don't got to worry about any of this they got armed guards they got all that sort of stuff but the rest of us it's 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 like the purge uh film uh you've also got in my hometown um thousands of my hometown of chicago thousands of migrants scrambling to find homes and and work as mass uh, evictions from shelters loom um you've got uh yeah so that is becoming a big issue as well, it says more than 13,000 migrants are under pressure to find homes and work before they're mass evicted from city-sponsored shelters to conserve the budget and make room for newcomers. Uh, meanwhile, in Texas, reports now that the Texas town under martial law, Eagle Pass residents reveal how cops and troops are seizing their property and questioning locals as it stands at the epicenter of the migrant crisis, some people are saying that um, Texans who are on their own property, they're, they're having authorities ask them what, what they're doing on their own property. Uh, so it's really getting out of control. Eagle Pass is home to almost 29,000 Texans. Um, and, you know, on the migrant issue as well, France is being reported that France is to end some birthright citizenships to curb immigration uh, for now the measure would only apply to the indian ocean island of mayotte uh, so the french government will amend the constitution to discontinue the practice of birthright citizenship uh, in its department of mayotte uh, it's it consists of two islands between the african mainland and madagascar 
uh, you know, other countries have these policies. I used to live in Kazakhstan and I thought about, you know, what if my kid um, had been born in Kazakhstan, they would not have, have given uh, my kid Kazakh citizenship because you'd have to, uh, in Kazakhstan, you'd have to prove that you have some cultural or ethnic history with the land. Otherwise, you, you, even if you're born in Kazakhstan, you will not get Kazakh um, citizenship. And so it's interesting how different countries have different policies. It's also being reported that a, a Brookline family hosts migrants who had been sleeping on the floor at Logan airports. Um, so uh, apparently they had mentioned uh, uh, on, on social media that they were willing to host uh, people. And then immediately they, <laughs> the authorities brought uh, these people to them. So again, the migrant crisis is going to be just be getting worse this year and next. Um, and, and you've also got this strange report related to, I believe, Australia. Coles, I don't even know what Coles is, but I guess it's the supermarket popular in Australia. It says Coles Inc.'s deal with major CIA-linked data intelligence tech firm. Supermarket giant Coles has quietly signed a concerning deal with a data intelligence firm that provides services to the CIA and Pentagon. Um, that is strange. It says experts warned the arrangement with Peter Dale of Bilderberg's Palantir could lead to job losses and vast cost cutting. The company seeks to save $1 billion in operating expenses over the next four years. So again, it's part of that whole AI transhumanism. No wonder that it's CIA, Pentagon, Palantir pushing this because, you know, that's basically um, the Pentagon's brain, as it's called. Um, DARPA, you know, all of that stuff is... That's the cutting edge of all of this transhuman globalist insanity. It's all, you know, the Department of Defense, the the, the, the Anglo-American sphere and all of their military intelligence agencies. And so that's interesting. You've also got expansive facial recognition surveillance networks coming to Hong Kong, Bahrain, geolocation and biometrics combined to find missing Ukrainian children. Uh, Hong Kong police installed 2,000 CCTV cameras look to add a thousands thousands more so there they are unrelenting uh, meanwhile indonesia is urging massive sign up for new digital id to ease access to public services right it's always to ease access uh but once the one they've got everyone on the platform it's going to be used to deny access uh just like amazon won't even let me read write book reviews <laughs> anymore on amazon belize to kick off national id and biometric data strategy as soon as next month, March. Uh, they're moving toward building their national ID system, digital ID system, and digitalizing public services. Meanwhile, cyber attack shuts down Colorado Public Defender's Office. So again, we keep seeing these cyber attacks um, in countries around the world, in big cities, and, and even in little nowhere cities in, in, in uh, the U.S. And, and many other the countries so that's coming uh, and this was fascinating the the cyber wars beginning waymo driverless car vandalized set on fire in san francisco's chinatown several social media videos showed a group of people vandalizing a self-driving car in san francisco's chinatown so skynet is having some problems becoming self uh, aware real quick at TNT Radio, we never go home. We're committed to bringing you our take on the biggest topics of our time. We're broadcasting live 24-7 online globally, no matter what. 
We've got you covered on today's News Talk TNT. Going 360 on the headlines. It's really well-balanced conversation. Today's News Talk Radio TNT. Ukraine's primary military intelligence agency has accused Russia of using Starlink terminals produced by SpaceX in occupied territories of the country, a claim that SpaceX CEO Elon Musk has denied. Here with the story, joining me once again, TNT News producer Adam Clark, codename Ruckus. Thanks, Rory. It's been fact-checked by Musk himself, and he says false, categorically false, actually. Uh, Starlink terminals connect to the company's uh, SpaceX's uh, satellites that are in low Earth orbit, LEO, uh, and they provide high-speed communications. Uh, You know about that, Rory, because you use it every once in a while when you need to. Uh, Thousands of Internet kits were donated by SpaceX to Ukraine. In late February 2022, soon after Russian troops first uh, invaded, uh, this was in order to help the country gain a tactical edge on the battlefield, allegedly, supposedly, reportedly. Uh, The tech has been hailed as an essential tool for Ukrainian communications. In a statement on February 11th, just yesterday, Andrei Yusov, spokesperson for Ukraine's main directorate of intelligence, the GUR, insisted that the agency has radio intercepts of Russian soldier conversations allegedly indicating that Starlink terminals have been used by Russian forces in occupied Ukraine territories. Uh-oh. According to Mr. Yusov, Units of the 83rd Separate Air Assault Brigade of the Russian Armed Forces were found using Starlink terminals to establish internet access around the Donetsk region near Klyshkyevka and Andrivka. He also claimed that the Russian use of Starlink internet kits is on the rise, especially in frontline areas where the fighting is Fiercest. Mr. Yusuf said, quote, cases of using the mentioned devices by Russian occupants have been recorded. This is starting to become systemic. End quote. The GUR did not provide any theories as to how Russian forces might have obtained the terminals in contested areas such as Donetsk, where Ukrainian and Russian forces are still engaged in combat. This follows months of anonymous sources alleging that Ukrainian troops have recorded the use of Starlink satellite communication by Russian forces. At this stage, the statement by the GUR is the first official communication accusing Russia of using the Starlink. Uh, SpaceX CEO Elon Musk has denied his company's involvement in helping Russia with its battlefield communications, calling any claims to the contrary, quote, categorically false, end quote. In a February 11th post on X, and Mr. Musk wrote that to his knowledge, Russia does not have access to Starlink devices. Quite literally, he said, quote, a number of false news reports claim that SpaceX is selling Starlink terminals to Russia. To the best of our knowledge, no Starlinks have been sold directly or indirectly to Russia, end quote. Uh, In a statement from Starlink on February 8th, uh, that also denied the claims, saying the terminals were not active in Russia and that SpaceX had never sold or marketed the service or shipped equipment to any locations in Russia. 
The company stated, quote, Starlink does not work in Russia, which means that the service will not work in this country. SpaceX has never sold or advertised Starlink in Russia, nor has it supplied equipment to Russia. If SpaceX receives information that the Starlink terminal is being used by a sanctioned or unauthorized party, we will investigate the claim and take steps to deactivate the terminal if confirmed, end quote. That's right. If you're using the Internet and you are an unauthorized party, you will be cut off. <laughs> Sounds like the plan they have for us coming soon. Harbori, what do you think about this story, though? It was funny this morning when Jeff Berwick was opening Anarchapulco, he mentioned because they've got a bunch of Starlinks um, they need to use at the event. Um, and he was saying, yeah, I know it's part of the whole Elon Musk's global surveillance uh kill control system but hey it gives us internet and that's been sort of my view and here in acapulco starlinks uh, have gotten popular you know because of the whole hurricane and destruction of infrastructure even the place where i'm staying now they've got starlink although i'm not i'm using the the, the fiber optic line but uh it's it's just been interesting to see how many even mexican people have purchased um starlinks which are not cheap and they're not that fast um either and and this story is interesting because i don't know how you know th there have been cases where mexican cartels narcos are using starlinks but you know if, if russia were to use a starlink i don't understand i would assume starlink would know who's using it right because you have to um subscribe you have to pay uh the monthly fee and how do you sort of get out of that you know it's because you got to register a name a payment sort of system. And so I don't know how, how you'd, they'd be able to use Starlink in a sort of pirate uh, way. Um, so it, it, it does seem I, I don't I don't see I wouldn't see Russia being able to use them unless you know, they, they have ways uh, around that. But uh, what, what do you make of the, the stories? It's, it's interesting to see how important this these new technology of like drones uh, and Starlinks are becoming uh, in, in, in these uh, wars that are breaking out. Well, I, okay, so I do think that a lot of what's going on, at least as a side effect or like, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, uh, as part of this whole Ukraine thing is they're testing out a lot of strategies and tech and, and things. So I, I do believe that they, you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to go there. It's too dark. All right, so here's the thing. Um, if, if history has taught us anything, you just look at what... Um, Oh, my gosh. What was his name? Uh, War is a record. Uh, Smedley Butler. OK, so the military industrial complex, for those of us who are wise enough to get this, we understand that there is a group of folks that profit from war from both sides and they don't pick a side. They don't care. What if Mr. Musk is just flat out lying and he does offer his service to, to Russia? It's not like he's going to come out and say, yep. You, you caught me. Oh, I'm busted. And just, um, oh, I'm I'm turning in the game now. You got me, guys. Good one. You pulled the mask off. Way to go, Scooby-Doo. No. So there's always that possibility that he could literally just be lying. Uh, it could be that his company's doing stuff he's not aware of. That's always a possibility. 
Um, and then, you know, then again, it's very vague. It, the, the answer to it is that from the company and from Musk is that they don't supply the equipment in Russia, but nowhere from the stories that I can look at from the sources that I had today that it necessarily said it was inside Russia. It seemed to me at first that it was like inside the areas of Ukraine that are contested. Like, is this Ukraine's territory? Is this Russia's? Did it used to be Ukraine's yesterday and Russia took it over today and now they got their hands on the Starlink? Who knows? And then, you know, no technology is infallible to being hacked. Rory, smart people always figure out a way, you know? Yeah, and that last point you brought up that had just come to mind. Maybe they defeated some Ukrainian uh, battalion and then took over their Starlinks. But the report does mention the GUR did not provide any theories as to how Russian forces might have obtained um, the terminals. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, thanks for that, Ruckus. We'll catch up with you in a bit. We got Jeremy Ryan uh, Slate joining us uh first time in living color for him on tnt we'll be right back now as we move into an election year in u.s politics at a time when the western empire is under attack from within as if an orchestrated decline is the plan whilst at the same time the rise of BRICS nations represents a rise of a new multipolar order Institutions that have controlled the world are at last being questioned for their behaviour and their failures. Absolute power corrupts absolutely, and the truth shall set us free. Those two statements sit at opposite ends of the zeitgeist in a world that is filled with death, destruction, deceit, and a wholesale unwillingness to hold anyone in power to account, except for anyone who takes power against the ruling elite, of course, and then we have seen how that system works. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk TNT. This is generally the view of people, oh, we don't know much about Assange. Well, you should know, because whether you know it or not, he is fighting for you. For your courage and leadership and tenacity in journalism and publishing. Since 2010, Assange has been held in progressively narrower, darker, colder, and crueler spaces. He has been detained since the 7th of December 2010 in one form or another. And we are now here after years of imprisonment. WikiLeaks is a non-state hostile intelligence service. I think the man is a high-tech terrorist. A high-tech terrorist. A traitor, a treasonous. He has to answer for what he has done. Assange faces up to 175 years in prison for publishing classified documents exposing U.S. war crimes. The U.S. government narrative about Julian is a complete fraud. It is a complete fraud from A to Z. Julian took on the most powerful countries in the world, basically all of them. We now have confirmed that there were plans to kidnap Julian here in the center of London, or even assassinate him. No one who instigated that illegal and immoral war has been brought to justice. But the great truth teller sits behind bars. If wars can be started by lies, peace can be started by truth. Julian Assange is a hero. What if everything we thought we knew about somebody was a lie? Would we be willing to go on a new journey of understanding? This 
is a story of deception, lies, bravery, and a man who risked everything to bring the truth to light. Mr. Assange shows all the symptoms that are typical for a person that has been exposed to psychological torture over a prolonged period of time. He looked at me intensely and said, I hate to say this. He then hesitated, visibly troubled and searching for words. And then he finally said, please, save my life. May future generations have the ability to speak without restraint. May our children and their children know truth and have access to information that leads to justice. Wherever Julian goes, free speech goes with him. If there is a bird that is about to take flight, stretch her wings and rule the skies, may it be a peace dove and no longer a bald eagle. If you think Assad is a traitor, he's a rapist, he's a narcissist, he's a hacker. I don't blame you because you have been deceived. And if you think you've not been deceived, that's normal because otherwise it wouldn't be deception. It's time to switch on today's news talk radio. Very entertaining. TNT. Returning to the broadcast, this time in living color. Uh, we had him on a while back before we transitioned to video. Jeremy Ryan Slate, host of the Create Your Own Life podcast, which studies the highest performers in the world. Uh, he's also the CEO of Command Your Brand. Uh, he's the author of Unremarkable to Extraordinary, Ignite Your Passion to Go from Passive Observer to Creator of Your Own Life. Uh, he does a lot of great work. He's got a fantastic podcast. How's it going, Jeremy? Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, I know I've, I've been recently inspired by you, and we've launched a second uh, channel now where I cover uh, geopolitical issues. So uh, thank you for the inspiration, man. That looks fascinating. And it's interesting you said that that seems to be a popular um, topic with people. No. Why do you think so? Why, why are people so interested in, in geopolitics and all of these, uh, you know, multipolarity and all these other things? You know, it's it's interesting. Um, you had actually connected me to uh, a guest recently, uh, Yuri Roshka, and uh, we were talking about uh, you know multipolarity from the from the perspective. I think a lot of people get pulled into it's this country versus that country, or that country versus this country, or this party versus this party. And I think what what we understand is when when you kind of get <clears throat> agenda twenty thirty is kind of the major thing coming. People want to know what's happening on a, on a global level and what's happening on a global scale. So I think that's why they are more interested, you know, the ones that are really waking up in, in the geopolitical side of things, you know, what's actually happening? How does this affect me? Because, you know, one president to the next or one prime minister to the next doesn't have a whole lot of a difference um, as to what it's doing, but big plans happening on a global scale have a huge impact. Have you published your chat with Yuri yet? I haven't seen it. I have not. It's going to come out next week, um, and it was pretty intense. So I do appreciate you uh, connecting us. We we got pretty deep down some rabbit holes, man. But I think it's great because you know, from your your sort of podcast as an American, I think it's really important to get these foreign perspectives. You know, Moldova, Russia, Mexico, Africa, Asia, and that really because th there are people from those vantage points that see things that we don't see from our um, 
culture. And yeah, Yuri actually invited me to, to his conference in Moldova. It's a bit of a ways away. I, I don't know if I'm going to make it, but yeah, th that's great. And what are your thoughts? I, I'm curious on this idea of bricks and multipolarity. My view is that it's it's sort of the other side of the same coin, like Yuri's. I, I, I think that it's still going to lead us down this trajectory of globalism and, 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 and the centralization of global power. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think about it? I, I think ultimately um, it's a plan to destroy the dollar from the perspective of they have to have a digital currency, right? Like you have to have a digital currency to be able to have total control. So I think when you look at it, it's really not a plan to create a second currency. It's a plan that's enough to devalue the one that's used globally. And then what can happen is these digital currencies, which are being rolled out in a lot of different countries. I know Russia did a digital ruble recently as well. So the digital currencies are being rolled out. And, and that's actually what our technocrats want globally, because if they have a digital currency, they can know what you're doing. They can know what you're not doing. And they can say, you know, Hervoye, you were a very bad boy today. We're going to shut off your money. And that's a really big problem. Like, like if you looked at despots throughout history, have wanted that type of power. And now to have that type of power is incredible. So why would they want to walk away from that? So to me, I think it comes down to, to digi digital currencies. And I think the U.S. dollar being powerful, um, you know, isn't good for, um, you know, groups that want to bring in a digital currency to me, my perspective. Yeah, I, I can't even leave uh, Amazon book review anymore. I got another email today from Amazon referring to I had J. Michael Waller on, ex-CAA guy. I tried to leave him a book review. <laughs> and so that's absolutely uh, crazy. But yeah, I think what you just said, th this is the key. It's it's about it's not so much about replacing the dollar, the petrodollar. It's about knocking the dollar off its throne to then Forget about this idea of let's replace it with the petro yuan or something. No, it's to make way for global CBDCs. Um, and I think that's and, the excellent point, though, too, like because you mentioned the digital digital yuan, like countries are, are now they're buying oil in, in yuan. So if BRICS was that big of a deal, why would they be doing that? They'd be trying to figure out a different way to make a different exchange currency, not spending yuan. So I think that's a really important point. Yeah, and it's uh, well, it's it's uh, time for our headlines. We'll be uh, right back, Jeremy. Check this out. News Talk Radio, TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Ukraine's main military intelligence agency, the GUR, has accused Russian forces of utilizing Starlink terminals provided by SpaceX in the territories of Ukraine under Russian occupation. Vice President Kabbalah Harris, amid speculation of taking over the presidency from Joe Biden, has a lower favorability rating than him, according to civics polling data released on Monday. Hamas issued a statement criticizing the Israel Defense Forces for their overnight operation that successfully rescued two Israeli hostages. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. Go to JeremyRyanSlate.com and subscribe to Jeremy's podcast, Create Your Own Life podcast. He's also, uh, he co-founded Command Your Brand with his wife. They do a lot of great work there uh, i'm just curious um jeremy did, did you watch the super bowl uh i didn't even know it was going on i'm so tuned out of all of that stuff but i just i did read the headlines that we had the super bowl and uh they won the second year 
in a row, which was, I think, the first time that's happened in, in, in decades. Did you watch it? And what, what do you make of uh, the Super Bowl event? So I, I do have to say I'm a big football fan, so I did I did watch the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, so I was pulling for the, the 49ers, obviously, because any team that beats my team, um, obviously, is the team that should win. And I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I feel like, because people talk about our, our sports rigged and things like that. I, I don't think they're they're rigged because there's too many things that would have to go right, right? Like you'd have to have like a guy would have to catch a ball exactly correctly and things like that. But I do think the thing you have to watch, especially with football, is the refereeing. And, you know, you get one or two calls a game and that changes the whole game. Like last night, uh, San Francisco was absolutely running away with it. And they, there's one call at the end of the half that changes the momentum and San Francisco, their next three drives couldn't get a score. So it's, it doesn't have to be like that the whole game's rigged and it's, you know, like professional wrestling where there's a script. All you have to do is have one or two plays turn and you can decide to do that. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I do. I, I know bread and circus, you're not supposed to get sucked into this stuff, but I, I do enjoy a good football game. And um, I can't watch Chiefs games because all these really weird penalties happen where they're like, what? What happened? So it, it does feel like, you know, the NFL really wants the Chiefs to win. I even said to my wife last night, I'm like, you know, it's pretty obvious which team the NFL wants to win because, you know, why would Taylor Swift show up to a game there that uh, her team wasn't going to win, I guess? <laughs> yeah, you know, I had on the show, I think it was back in 2022. I'm forgetting his name now. I think I think it's Brian, but he wrote the books on how sports is rigged, everything from NFL to NBA to um, all of that. And he's, he's, he makes a very convincing case. Um, what, what was again, his viewpoint on it? Yeah, that they're all pretty much rigged uh the games and they do it like as, as you as the example that you gave the, 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 they're done through the different calls through the refs um but yeah he makes a convincing case i i, I don't know and may, maybe in some sports it's more uh, easier or, or or more um difficult but you, you mentioned bread and circuses and you've also studied roman um empire history um and i, I do see this sort of i feel it's a bit exaggerated the, the the importance of the Super Bowl and you know I'm not knocking people who want like yourself uh to to enjoy um you know these types of events but your thoughts on um Roman history you made an interesting post on Twitter recently comparing uh Trump uh to, to Roman times uh so you your just thoughts on the Super Bowl being used as bread and circuses and then um any further thoughts you have on on Trump and or the comparison of uh, American Empire to Roman Empire well, I, I've looked at a couple of different directions on this, um, and I actually was talking to one of my professors today um, from grad school who I'm lucky enough to still be able to bounce these ideas on. And, and if you look at kind of what's happening modernly, you can kind of see there's several you know different Roman equivalents, right? Because the Roman Empire was a thousand years. So there's a lot of different things that happen. But there's this transition around the year zero from the Roman Republic to the Roman Empire. So I see a lot of... Uh, you know, a lot of similarities there when you look at there's this group called the Populares, and they're very similar to how the Democratic Party operates of, you know, giving people what they want, getting them their bread and circus, you know, keeping them distracted. So you have that aspect of things. But Ro Rome at that point in time didn't really have like a global empire. And that's why I think it's not a it's not an exact um, comparison, because if you look at it, the thing that totally makes sense we are right now is is in the year 200, it's called the the crisis of the third century. In this period of time, there was a, a series of weak rulers, uh, many of which because they were very young men with their mothers actually ruling um, early, in, early in that time period. And um, 
the coinage had been debased. Rome had expanded vastly. There was barbarians all over the place. So you had this very unstable period. And, and that was actually the period when they say, hey, Rome could have fallen in the 200s. And what actually ends up happening is, um, I'm trying to remember exactly off the top of my head. I think it's around 284, um, Diocletian becomes emperor. And he was the one I was saying, like, you know, were Trump to get a second term, he could choose to be the Diocletian because what Diocletian does is he does these very famous reforms. And it's interesting because the Diocletian reforms are, they solve that crisis, but they're also a poison pill because what he solves is actually part of what also ends the empire. So he does what's called a tetrarchy. So there was always a, like a single ruler of Rome, but Rome was so big that one person couldn't rule it anymore. So the Tetrarchy, he made two senior emperors and two junior emperors. And basically he divided the whole, all the territory between the four of them. So that was the first thing he did. The second thing he did is coinage had been debased totally where people didn't trust it. They didn't want to spend it. They didn't have any faith in it. So he took and he standardized um, a gold coin called the Solidus. And then he also standardized a silver coin that I can't remember the name off the top of my head. And then he also did a lot of military reforms as well. So these things helped to add stability to where Rome was at. But <clears throat> a lot of how he split things up in terms of military service was eventually what made the barbarians come in and kind of, you know, take a lot of land and, you know, cause the fall of Rome in 476. So while it gave us stability and it gave Rome 200 more years, it was part of what actually led to its downfall. I, I've, I've visited Diocletian's palace and it's my former home. I used to live in Split. Uh, in in Croatia, there's uh, Diocletian's palace. is a wonderful place to uh, visit. And you, you mentioned the period of weak rulers. And I, I don't know if you saw the tweet from Joe Biden's account where he's got like demon eyes, like those red Bitcoin uh, demon eyes, which is really weird. And this talk now of Kamala Harris replacing Biden, like we're going from dumb to dumber. Um, any thoughts on that? But I, I just kind of I have an inkling that Trump will be will will be coming back regardless. You know, it's interesting because I just had a, a conversation with Roger Stone um, about this last week um, that the, the meme you're talking about is actually the uh, dark Brandon uh, meme because there was the whole uh, last year, the NASCAR driver, uh, Brandon, um, I forget his last name, but the, the crowd is cheering, you know, F Joe Biden. And the announcer goes, oh, they're cheering. Let's go, Brandon. They love you, Brandon. So we had that, that that meme came from. And after that point in time, as like a PR move, the uh, the Biden staff came out, came out with the red eyes and they called it Dark Brandon. And it was supposed to be this like very interesting thing. So I don't even get what the context he was posting it for. I guess it had something to do with the Super Bowl or maybe he forgot why he posted it or, or, or whatever it may be. And then Harris actually came out today um, and in an interview and was talking about, well, she's ready to serve. So I, I think they're actually getting re ready to get rid of him. Um, now, the thing Roger Stone had said to me is he actually sees her or him. He sees Joe Biden making it to the DNC and he thinks that the DNC, they're going to replace um, Biden with Michelle Obama and then bring in like Newsom as a vice president candidate. And at that point in time, they'll still have to figure out what to do with Kamala Harris. And, and the thought is, well, maybe put her on the Supreme Court or something like that, because she's really not electable. She's not that intelligent. And uh, they have to figure out where to kind of put her. I cannot fathom an Obama Newsom ticket. Uh, if that happened, I would leave the U.S. Someone was someone was saying the other day, I don't know if you caught this, Samuel L. Jackson, the actor, said if, if I don't know if this is true, but it was on a big Twitter account, said it, he, Samuel L. Jackson said if Trump 
is reelected, he's going to move to South Africa. Uh, and, th and they were asking you, know, what, what is your response? And I'm like, if Trump is reelected, I'm going to move to Mexico and become a Mexican. Oh, wait, I already did that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you caught that as, as well as the, you know, I, I'm looking around at what's happening and I'm always trying to gauge what are some of the threat points and it just seems still again the migration issue every day you're re you're you're reading now in, in my hometown of chicago they're having issues now a lot of the migrants are they can't stay in the shelters anymore they have to go look for jobs and new places to live um it's just really i i, I see that as one of the top three th things now um in the u.s do you have any other thoughts on that well, I think also going back to the the comparison of Diocletian, you know, one of the reforms that he also took to handle, he tried to handle, you know, what do we do with all these immigrants, right? Because um, in 212 under Emperor Caracalla, um, the Edict of Caracalla, he actually took all people living, not just in Rome, but in Rome's provinces, so all the, country, all the countries it controlled, and it made them Roman citizens. So now there was, wasn't a ton of value in citizenship. So then Diocletian's like, well, what are we going to do with all these people? He's like, let's make them serve in the military. So then he actually created a, um, you know, there had always been Roman auxiliaries. Roman auxiliaries were just um, people that weren't traditionally Roman that would serve in the military. And at the end of it, they would get citizenship. So he put more power onto the auxiliaries, right? To figure out what to do with these people that had recently gotten citizenship and they weren't really Roman. And I think, interestingly enough, there's been a lot of attention paid here in the US. If you notice, a lot of the people coming over are military age men. So what does that mean they're gonna do with these guys? It's, it's really interesting to me, right? Because if you look at it, it's not really families coming over. Um, it's a lot of things having to do with drugs and weapons and military age men. So what is the plan for the Democratic Party here? Is it that they wanna enlarge the census so they can decide who they're gonna uh, put in the in the the house based on that right because house representation is based on the census and you don't have to be a citizen to be counted in the census or is it you know hey we'll give you a path to citizenship you serve in our military like i i think there's something afoot here i don't know exactly what it was but if you look historically it's happened before right just you know going back to to uh, the edict of caracalla and then as well as what diocletian did after that i've heard people saying that it makes sense and not just the case in the u.s but in europe uh, as well that as you said, that these these migrant migrant men now uh, would be used in the police force or military, you know, or national guard, whatever. Same in in Europe, and they would be used to police the local population because you it would it'd be more difficult to have Americans policing Americans, you know, uh, especially when in, when it comes to. Um, the totalitarian state that they're they would be representing and so it'd be much easier if you had these foreigners policing americans or germans or or french um and that that's sort of your babylon army there no you're yes. they're creating this supranational structure um could that be also be part of the play well i think too like you know going back to the roman comparison like you know um after um we're looking after commodus so this is after like the year 200 ish um, the Roman military realized, well, hey, we control who's actually going to be in charge here. And I think it's the same thing here, right? If you look at it, if the military is deciding, because they've gotten a lot of the people that are more conservative out of the U.S. military, um, you know, and they've replaced them, you know, due to, you know, the whole thing with the pandemic and forced vaccinations and just um, the DEI and stuff in the military, like a lot of people that are more conservative don't want to be there. So there's a real big need for military. And the military that's currently there is 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 getting to be very one-sided 
So military ultimately answers to whoever's paying them. And I think that's what happens then. You can get a group to do what people that love their country and traditionally stand for their country would not do. And I think that goes right back to your, your Roman example where, you know, they would remove an emperor, remove another emperor, remove another emperor. Um, you know, right. The, the thing that led into the crisis of the third century was something called the year of five emperors. They just kept killing them and bringing in the next one. And, you know, not to say I don't know that's going to happen here, but if you look at it, the military will answer to whoever they have power and whoever's giving them money. And I think that's what it really comes down to. I, I saw you tweeted. Um, I haven't seen your chat with Roger Stone yet, but you, um, I think uh, he said that Trump's tr uh, transformative impact on the party is that it's no longer just for the wealthy or big business that we now champion small business and the middle class. Would you agree with that? It's kind of interesting because it's like the parties have reverse roles, right? Like the, the, the left has become kind of the, the party of control and big business and the right has become kind of smaller business and and less control and less centralization and it, it, the thing i asked roger which i'm i'm wondering and he doesn't quite see happening but i think we're going to have a republican party break up eventually and this is why i say that because the democratic party was always the big tent but then they started saying well you're not woke enough you're not this enough you're not that enough and they've continually made their tent smaller so the republican party has pulled in lots and lots and lots of your classical liberals um, and uh, people like that that aren't exactly Republican, but they're like, hey, this is a, this place is better than the other one. What I what I think is you think you're going to see a splintering of that party soon because even your standard Republican party are they're pretty much neocons at this point, and and those people they want war, they want centralization of power. They're they're pretty much uh, I think Nikki Haley is like the personification of what a neocon is, and to me it's it's the people that are getting pulled to the modern Republican party aren't those people. So I, I think you're going to see some sort of a change. I also think, frankly, I don't know if a two-party system is a future answer because it's kind of like your, your selection is bad or worse. And it's like, I'd rather have neither. How, how do we do that? So I, I think there's going to be some sort of a, a party shakeup in the near future. Could you imagine a day where in America you have more choices than Republican or Democrat. The uh, system is rigged in that way, man. Going back to football, it's it's rigged in that way, right? Because it's like you have to be in order to participate in elections. The way it's set up is you have to be Democrat or Republican. Like you know, even RFK, that I don't, though I don't agree with a lot of his policies, um, you know, as an independent, like he doesn't even have a shot in hell. And I think that's the problem we have is you have to be this one or that one, and it's like it's an Overton window. It's it's bad or worse, and then once you pick one of them, you're still moving closer to the control. Why don't we just let the AI decide? I'm just kidding. All right. It's time for our break. Uh, JeremyRyanSlate.com is the website. Follow, um, follow him on Rumble, YouTube, Twitter, everywhere you can find him. We'll be right back. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. Fresh off her court victory worth over $83 million over Donald Trump, of course, Columnist E. Jean Carroll appeared on The Rachel Maddow Show and expressed her euphoria by making this offer to Maddow. You've talked about using some of Trump's money that you're about to get um, to help shore up women's rights. Do you know what that might be, what that might look like? Yes, or, Rachel. Or, yes. Tell me. I had such, such great ideas <laughs> for all the good I'm going to do with this money. First thing, Rachel, 
you and I are going to go shopping. We're going to get completely <laughs> new wardrobes, new shoes, motorcycle for Crowley, new fishing rod for Robbie. Rachel, what do you want? Penthouse? It's yours, Nothing. Rachel. Penthouse and uh, France? You want France? You want to go fishing nope. in France? No? Oh. All right, all right, okay. That's a joke. <laughs> I'm sorry, is it just me? Or does Carol's offer to Maddow seem to cheapen and delegitimize all she says she stands for? Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. We all know what it's like to feel alone. But it just takes one new connection. Want to get out of here? To empower many. This is unbelievable. It doesn't take a superhero to bring forces together. We all have the power to reach out. Let's go! And help someone feel like they belong. Pretty cool, huh? We are stronger together. Pervoye Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Our final segment here with uh, Jeremy Ryan Slate. JeremyRyanSlate.com is the website. He's doing awesome work. I love his um, podcast. Uh, again, I'm coming to you from Acapulco here at Anarchapulco, uh, just uh, day one of the uh, events. And I saw, uh, I, I got a tweet from Noor Bin, Bin Laden. Uh, and I, I just, it makes me feel good when I do an interview. She She just tweeted out one of my interviews that I did with uh, on my podcast with uh, Sean Stone, Oliver Stone's father. And she says, Sean Stone connects many dots here, giving a comprehensive overview of the New World, New World Order system, highly uh, recommended. And I did that like a year or two ago. Actually, I've been thinking, I gotta, I gotta get him on uh, TNT since he was on my podcast. And it, it seems like Nora is very close with Richard Poe, who uh, she's, you've- She's um, the one that turned me on to Richard Poe, by the way. So, so Nora's awesome. <laughs> yeah, they they they, they uh, work uh, closely um, together, and so um, you know, what are some things that you're looking at? You know, as as 2024 gets underway, we we talked about some of the stuff in the U.S. Uh, yeah, there's always talk of escalation in war. We talked about the dollar, uh, the migration crisis. Um, there's always the technocracy. What are the things that you're sort of looking at, whether you're freaked out about them or developments that are, are making you excited, like in an optimistic or positive way? You know, I think the thing that makes me excited in an optimistic way is I think a lot more people are waking up. And I think you're you're seeing that it's getting harder and harder for for government to to push people into a box. And I say that because you're seeing people running away from legacy media. And you're seeing them come to places like TNT and podcasts and, and Rumble and things like that and get their own information. So to me, that's the really exciting part. When I look at what's going on globally, though, I don't know if you saw the uh, the Tucker Putin interview uh, that just happened yeah. um, where he covers about, you know, a thousand years of Russian history in like 45 minutes. Um, but I think to me, the thing that's concerning is, you know, number one, like, I don't know that Putin's necessarily the most honest guy out there, but it seems like he does want this thing to end and it's American funding that continues to keep it going. So my concern is, do we see a larger kinetic war between, you know, the U.S. and and Russia? And does that lead to something on more of a global scale? Because we also have, um, you know, things popping up in, in Kosovo that have been, you know, not going great for the last few months. We have tensions happening in China. So I'm actually concerned about more of a global conflict happening because if you look at it, 
you know, monetarily things aren't going well. You're seeing a lot of countries that if they're not in a recession, they're close to a depression economically. And the way that bankers like to fix these things is by starting a war, you know, because then they can fund both sides. They can make more money because the process of making money off the American people and, and people globally isn't as easy once they've gotten so far into debt that they don't have any money to pay you anymore. So the best way to make money is to start a war. So to me, that's what that's where I think they're headed, because then you fund both sides and then you get the money. The countries afterwards have to borrow money to fix all the stuff they blew up. So I think that's my concern is, is you know, if you're, if you're somebody that's, you know, read anything on the fourth turning, um, they talk about something happening as kind of that final event before we get back into a fir first turning between around 2025 to around 2030 or 2032. So I do that. That's the thing I'm looking at a global conflict. When does it come and why does it come? Because it, it fits very well with, you know, kind of the next phase of things. And everything comes back to banking, man. It always comes back to what makes the bankers happy. And right now the bankers are losing money. So they've got to find a way to make money again. Yeah. And I'm, I'm seeing the same thing. You know, I, I've had this discussion here at Anarchapulco with there's a lot of it's not really my crowd, but a lot, you know, I'll, I talk with everyone, hang with everyone, but it's like a very hippie new age uh christ consciousness crowd and some of them were saying uh no no world three world war three is not going to happen you know just send good vibes um all this sort of esoteric stuff and i'm like well look they're preparing for it like you my yes. country of croatia now they're saying they're going to reintroduce conscription serbia um i think romania australia is talking about it germany the UK, like you just they've go been down talking the line. about it in American media as well. And and the problem that I think they're going to see, um, I, I think you've had Wiley McGraw on the show. Yes. Um, Who? Wiley McGraw. Um, oh, yeah, he and I yeah. were speaking. He and I were speaking now about like he's he's worried that they're going to be bringing veterans like him back into the army because uh, because the issue is um, like our army isn't in great shape. And I'll tell you right now, you know, my generation and the generations after aren't going to handle a draft really well because most of them are too overweight and too out of shape to actually fight. So I think that's a, a, a big problem you're going to have too is where are these countries going to conscript from? Because in general, people are a lot less healthy. So it's you have that coming too. I mean, those are all good points. I don't know how they would carry this. I just, well, Poland, last week we saw Poland discuss that they're going to allow transgender uh, Polish men or women I don't I don't know what to serve like that doesn't make any and you know you, you got the left-wing globalist the government that came into power now in, in Poland with yeah. Donald Tusk right it's just one by one these countries I don't know what's um going on and so yeah I, I and and it's that's how they do the great reset with a third world war I, I mean I I can't understand the people who today today who say it's not going to happen I mean like it's it's always I've interviewed Ricardo Bossi who's interesting and he's you know he, he made a good point that war is the default setting for humanity peace is the anomaly yes. um and so we're going to go back to war the only question is what kind it's going to be I know in the past you've said it's going to be more psychological warfare I so. which I agree but I think at some point we are going to see bombs flying or, or or drones or tactical nukes used and that sort of stuff and then again when that happens that's gonna they're gonna say oh you know we really need a world government because look, look at all this mess that all these people created but yeah and you know and, and any other thoughts as well as you know last time you talked about how you, you thought education was important i i would agree um you know any, any other thoughts on the way forward 
Well, I think, you know, going back to what you just said, um, it, it's, I think that psychological warfare to a certain perspective, but I think also like kinetic war is where the money's at, man. You know, bombs are expensive and rebuilding stuff's expensive and it goes back to the bankers. And you have to remember that. But I think it comes back to, to education because, you know, even for myself, uh, we're homeschooling our kids. They are, they are younger. So we are newer at this whole thing. But if you, if you look at what's happening in, in schools right now, it's kind of terrifying. Like, you know, boys are girls and girls are boys and there's like something in between and there's these things called furries. There's all sorts of weird stuff out there, man. And it's, it's a little bit terrifying. And, and to me, I think you just have to opt out of that and you have to make sure your kids are educated, make sure they're able. And, you know, frankly, like when we kind of get through all this, um, you know, and my kids are growing up and have their own business, they can hire all those kids that wanted to be boys and girls and furries and whatever they are, because they're going to need a job at some point. And I'll tell you right now, they're not going to be qualified to start a business with the, with the school systems out there. So I think that's what it really comes down to, man, is education and, and uh, really taking responsibility for your family. Yeah, there was this clip uh, of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. going viral. And I, I, I caught the clip and I think he, just to your point, uh, where the, all the money is at in, in in bombs and and war and and rebuilding and that's what rfk yes. jr was saying that for the ukraine war one of the biggest things is the, the defense companies who you know they each new country that joins nato uh they have to then purchase from the american military industrial complex all nato specified munitions and 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 bombs and so it's a huge money maker just to get an extra every extra country into nato is like there are these massive financial incentives and then on top of that having these countries start um wars any thoughts on the new media because you know tucker carlson was legacy media and he's remade himself now um you know i just had a week or two ago my podcast hosting provider delete one of my podcasts for the very first time which is not wow. cool thank you soundcloud Totally not cool SoundCloud, but um, your, your thoughts on the alternative media space. And th there is some criticism now. I'm interested in this. You know, David Icke, I have many criticisms of Icke, but he says the mainstream alternative media where alt media now is almost, and, and you know they're going to do this. You know, the military intelligence, NATO, CIA, NSA, they're going to find a way to get into the alternative media and then steer that uh, as well. Do you have any thoughts there? Yeah, I, I, that is a major concern for me too, because it gets to the point where you're like, you know, who can I trust? Who can actually put my faith in? And I think a few years ago, you you could kind of say a lot of the information is good. Now you really have to be careful, man, because there's a lot out there to steer you wrong. So I think number one, it's learning, you know, what the landmines are. And it just comes down to logic too. You look at something and you say like, is this logical? Does this make sense to me? Does this add up? And if it doesn't, it's probably not something that, um, you know, is truth, right? Because truth is something that it just is, it just exists. And, and if it's something that continues to persist, well, there's gotta be a lie in it somewhere. So to me, you've gotta get better at your truth meter. But I think there is so much value in that alternative media because we can have the conversations we're not, not allowed to have, right? And when you look at it, you know, iron sharpens iron in the battle of ideas. You, you have to have a good argument forces a better argument. And I think when you can have those arguments, we can have those conversations and people can observe those things and, and see what's different. You know, I'll go back to, to Tucker's Putin interview again. While I don't, you know, think Putin's the best guy out there, you know, why was he not allowed to speak and why was no one allowed to see what he had to say? And I think that's very important too, is we have to have these conversations and be able to, you know, understand our friends and also understand our adversaries, man. I think it's really important to be able to actually make good decisions off of data. And if the media is just going to tell you, hey, this person isn't allowed to speak, well, I would want to hear that person speak then if they're not allowed to speak. Yeah. And the White House just, um, 
made the statement that they're gonna combat now disinformation. That's like where the adversary. How do you combat information? Like they, they shouldn't even be going there, but they are. Our time is um, up. Always great chatting, Jeremy. Tell us uh, your projects and where we can find you. Absolutely. Well, you can find me over at jeremyryanslate.com. Uh, at the moment, we are on YouTube. You can also find us on Rumble. Um, and I am not negotiating with the president of Mexico about the wall in Gaza. I'm going to leave that up to the, to the people out there. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. CC. A lot of memes came from that. CC. Uh, you know. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, Jeremy. I'm signing off here from Acapulco at Anarchapulco. Uh, Steve Malsberg is up next. Keep on rocking in the not-so-free world. Be seeing you.